Hello and welcome to the Heredity Podcast with me, Dr. James Bergen. Aquaculture is the fastest growing food production sector worldwide, and one of the most important farm fish is the Nile tilapia. Unfortunately, with so many animals in one place, disease outbreaks become a real problem, and the recent emergence of the tilapia lake virus is threatening tilapia production in many parts of the world. But can new genomic tools come to the rescue? Let's find out, as we hear from the lead author behind the recent Heredity paper, a major quantitative trait locus affecting resistance to tilapia lake virus in farm Nile tilapia. Welcome to the Heredity Podcast. Can you please just introduce yourself? Uh, hi, James. Um, well, thanks for the opportunity to be here and uh, to share our research and with you and all your audience. Well, my name is Agustin Barria, originally from Chile, uh, and I work as a postdoctoral researcher at the Department of Genetics and Genomics at the Rosmi Institute in Edinburgh. And well, my main research is aimed to improve host disease resistance to a viral disease affecting Nile tilapia. And uh, this project is a collaboration between the Roslin Institute and Worldfish, which is a non-profit research institute. Well, that's a great summary of uh, who you are and kind of what we're about to talk about. But you kind of mentioned their tilapia. And I think a lot of people, particularly in the West, might not really know what tilapia is. So could you just tell us a bit about this fish and why it's important? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, just to put into context, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations has estimated that aquaculture is the fastest growing food production sector worldwide, with an average increase close to 6% per year during the period 2001-2018, which is a lot compared with other food uh, production sectors. And within this context is that the fish called night tilapia is the third most farmed fish with above 6 million metric tons produced during 2018. Wow. And is quite important because besides uh, being produced at larger scales, it's also produced at smaller scales. Therefore, there are several communities from low and middle income countries, for example, from Africa, Asia and America, that relies on night tilapia production, both economically and nutritionally. And uh, well, the problem with TILV or tilapia lake virus is that has threatened the sustainability of night tilapia production and causing mass mortalities with up to 80 or 90 percent of the total production cycle. And due is a relatively new viral disease. It was identified on 2013, but there are some reports that associated mortalities to tilapia lake virus on 2009. Uh, to date, there are a few treatments for its control and prevention. So it's a pretty huge problem in night tilapia aquaculture. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I it's clear that it's a very, very important fish for a lot of communities that don't maybe have a lot of food. And the virus sounds as though it can have a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what was it that you specifically set out to do in this study? Well, after collecting survival data from almost 1,000 fish of the GIF strain of night tilapia from a natural field outbreak to tilapia like virus, or TILV, we genotyped this fish with a SNP array that uh, was developed by our same research uh, team, and we performed a genome-wide association study. And thus, we identified a major QTL located on the chromosome 22 of Nile tilapia, and is, which is associated with cost-resistant to TLB. And based on these results, we proposed that a market-assisted selection approach could be a feasible alternative to enhance disease resistance and therefore reduce the mortalities ascribed to TLB. And we also proposed some candidate genes associated with the survival trait 
provide the new knowledge on the potential genes underpinning the host disease resistance to TILB. Mm, fantastic. So I guess it might be cool if we could kind of dig into some of those bits a little bit more. And you were mentioning they're collecting your samples. Your study it has some really cool methods, and it sounds as though they're maybe a little bit different to how you might usually test for disease resistance. Yeah, exactly. So how did you go about collecting your data? Yeah, well, that's a really uh, good point, James. Because, well, usually uh, within the context of genetic improvement, the studies aim to evaluate host disease resistance in agriculture, collect phenotypic measurements after an experimental challenge, where you can fix several environmental effects such as temperature, oxygen, salinity, etc. On these controlled challenges, the animals could be infected by different ways. For example, uh, interperitoneal injections. Uh, the advantage of this method is that all the animals will be infected with the same amount of as in a specific pathogen. And, for example, there's another approaches as immersion or cohabitations, uh, which mimics the natural field conditions of the animals in the aquaculture. However, the problem with uh, TLB is that there isn't any standardized experimental challenge for this virus, which makes it difficult to obtain accurate phenotypes. And, well, as you said, our study has the particularity that the phenotypes were obtained after a natural feed outbreak. And for this natural feed outbreak, we collected the survival data, which means that we phenotype the fish, in this case, based on if they survive or no this natural feed outbreak. And therefore, these phenotypes combined with genomic information uh, allowed us to identify QTOs linked to host resistance, and, but in a real scenario, being more informative than experimental challenge, since the trait is a better representation of the target trait in the breeding programs, whereas the results from an experimental challenge must be validated in field conditions. I believe that it's also worth to notice that this fish belongs to a breeding program managed by Wolfish in Penang, Malaysia, and have been selected for improved growth rate. For example, the fish that uh, on this current study belongs to a generation 16th, and we have pedigree data up to the base generation, which is a very deep uh, pedigree. So, and therefore, we can't know which fish belong to any specific family. Mm. Yeah, it, it sounds really interesting and a really good use of uh, natural outbreak as well. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, today there's, uh, as, well, as I said before, there are only some few students that come into my mind now that use natural feed outbreak, but uh, as I said, has some advantage compared with uh, experimental challenges. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you've already mentioned a couple of times that you found some really interesting QTLs and some candidate genes, but I wonder what your sort of key findings were. So what were you actually finding to do with disease resistance in these fish? Uh, yeah, I believe that there are four key elements to mention based on the results of our research. The first one is that we confirmed the existence of significant genetic variation for resistance to tilapia-like virus in the, this current population. Secondly, we also confirmed the absence of genetic correlation between resistance to TLB and harvest weight. This means that by selecting fish with higher resistance to the virus, it won't have any negative effect on harvest weight, which is a key trait for night tilapia farmers and is the most important trait as in breeding objectives. Well, the third point that is worth to mention is that TLB is relatively a new disease. There is not too much information about the functional pathways involved during the infection process. And we identified some candidate genes flanking the significant markers, and some of them has been proposed as an antiviral role in other species as well, including aquaculture species. Well, and finally, 
I would say the most important result of the paper is that we found a major QTL in the chromosome 22 of Nightilabia, which is rare to find for a quantitative trait. Well, for example, the opposite homozygous for the three most important markers, uh, that's it, the homozygous for the resistant allele and the homozygous for the susceptible allele, have a difference in the mortality rate around 30%, which is high considering that the overall mortality rate during the natural outbreak was close to 30%. Mm, wow. Yeah, I mean, particularly given that you said there aren't a huge amount of resources for this fish, they're really interesting results. And I think one of the bits that I find really interesting is the list of candidate genes that you found, because you've, you've found quite a lot that could be interesting. And I wonder if any particularly stand out. Yeah, yeah. Usually in these kind of uh, studies uh, where we do um, genomic-wide association studies, there are plenty of candidate genes that you believe or you can use it as uh, potentially involved on the on the traits. In this case, we found some candidate genes involved in the nitilapia immune response. But uh, if I have to choose one, I would say that one is called Galactin-17 or LGALS-17. And it's interesting, well, because the most significant SNP that we found uh, for associated with host resistance is located within an intron on this gene. Galactins are a family of proteins which, among other functions, are involved in viral infections by activating innate and adaptive immune response. And it's quite interesting because these genes have been found to have antiviral activity after RNA single-strand viruses infection, which is the same type of genetic material as tilapia-like virus. And this has been found in other aquaculture species, for example, Atlantic salmon or sea bass. Mm. Also, it's exciting that one of the TLB segments has an homology, a weak homology though, but homology uh, at the end, with a subunit of the polymerase protein of the influenza C virus. And well, why is this exciting? Well, because it has been shown in mice that one member of the galactin family has the ability to reduce the influenza barrier load on these mice, oh, and cool. also that knockout mice have higher susceptibility compared with the wild-type mice. However, this gene and the rest of the candidate genes must, of course, be validated in order to elucidate underlying causative genes which uh, could now be possible through a CRISPR-Cas9 genome editing approach, for example. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I believe there are people working on that. <laughs> nice. So I guess the, the big question with studies like these is that you found lots of really cool genomic insights, but how do you think this study might actually help tackle virus outbreaks? Yeah, well, the use of genetic markers have been effectively exploited in aquaculture. For example, there is a remarkable example where the use of a major QTL has been used to reduce IPN-related mortalities in a region Atlantic salmon populations to almost serious. Wow. Yeah, well, IPN is also a disease caused by a virus. Although the size of the effect of the QTL that we found on this study is not as big as the one for IPN, it's definitely a promising avenue to reduce TLB mortalities in night tilapia populations through the implementations of selection based on markers located on the QTL regions, and hence develop a strain with enhanced resistance to TLB. So, I mean, it, it's kind of clear that it could have a really big impact on aquaculture of Nile tilapia. But I guess at Heredity, we're also kind of curious about the sort of really broad messages in papers. So I wonder what you think the sort of key message within your paper actually is. Yeah, I would say that the fact that a major QTL was found for an aquaculture species for which the genomic tools are available just years ago suggest that there is still plenty of room for genetic improvement through genomic information 
in other farming aquaculture species with less genomic resources. Well, unfortunately, uh, there are several research groups worldwide working on developing these resources for their local farming species. And therefore, the use of genomic tools, I believe, that will help to improve complex traits in several aquaculture species. Mm, perfect. I mean, yeah, uh, ho hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it yeah. is a really good paper and it has some really interesting methods. And thank you for taking the time to share it with us. Oh, no, thanks to you again. Yeah, it's quite uh, interesting to have this uh, experience to talk with you and, and share our research on a different way that uh, besides read a paper, it's also really interesting to, to have a, a talk with about it. Yeah, for sure. But hopefully now people will actually go and read your paper. <laughs> but I wonder if you could just finish off by reminding people listening what your paper is called. And also, you did mention them at the start, but also the other people involved in bringing us this work. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, the title of the paper is A Major Quantitative Trade Locus Affecting Resistance to Tilapia Leg Virus in Farm Night Tilapia. And uh, well, this uh, work was, uh, as I said at the beginning, a collaboration between World Fish and the Rosen Institute. So the co-authors from the World Fish uh, and I want to thank to them, of course, is Trump Trink, Mahira Mahmoudin, Mohan Chadak, and John Bensi, and the people from um, the Russian Institutes, Carolina Peñalosa, Athena Papadopoulou, Feli Gerbay, and Ross Houston. So thanks to all of them. Thanks to Augustine. You can find his paper on the Heredity website. That's nature.com forward slash hdy. While you're there, you can also check out how to submit your own papers to the journal. Heredity is the official journal of the Genetic Society. You can subscribe to the Heredity Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Heredity Journal. If you want to get in touch with me directly, drop me an email at hereditypodcast.gen at gmail.com. I'm James Bergen. Thanks for listening.